beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Welcome to this episode of the 10 things to tell you podcast. If you hear a little something in my voice that sounds like sickness, then you are correct. And it is not coronavirus. Not even really joking about that. It is not. I did catch a little bit of a cold last week, and it's really no big deal, but suddenly it's a big deal when you work in an audio format. So thank you for sticking with me through this snot-filled episode today, because I am excited to talk to you about today's topic, actually. I think it's a fun one, and lately the news has just been so heavy. There is so much fear and frazzle in the air at least here in Los Angeles, it is 
pretty widespread also from what I can gather online. There's just a lot of negativity and some discouragement out there right now. And so I thought that we would lighten things up a little bit around here and talk about something that hopefully brings us some joy and laughter. And I'm going to do something that I don't always do on this show. I'm going to ask you to share your answer to this prompt on social media. First of all, the stakes are low here. It will not be like sharing a deep part of your heart. Hopefully it will be a fun thing for you to post about. Also bring some light to your social media feeds, which again, I think we all need. I'm asking you to do this because A, I really want to see your answers. I'm dying to see your answers to this topic. And B, sharing the show with your friends. If you ever post about one of the episodes here, please make sure and tag the show and use the hashtag. But sharing the show in your social media feeds or with your friends in general, it is the best way for 10 Things to Tell You to grow. It really helps me out to widen this audience. And if you don't want to answer today's prompt on social media, you can always just share the logo or a photo of yourself listening to the podcast, whatever feels comfortable to you to spread the word about 10 Things to Tell You, a show I hope you enjoy. Okay, today's prompt The one I think would be fun for us to post about on social is, who were your cultural icons when you were young? I'm saying cultural icons because we all have different tastes. This audience has a wide range of ages. And so the major culture stars of your youth might be actors, sports figures, singers, fictional characters in a movie or on television, Heck, I'm going to talk about an animated Disney character in a second. But who I'm asking about here, who I hope springs to your mind, are the people or characters that when you were young were aspirational to you, meaning you wanted to be them or you wanted to be like them or you related to them on a deep level, like you feel like they represented something about who you were inside The answers here, I'm assuming, I hope, will be all over the map. I mean, this could be Dolly Parton, to Kelly Kapowski, to Mary Lou Retton, to Britney Spears. I don't know what decade you were young in or who you were drawn to that was in the public eye. But here's why I think this is not only a fun question to bring up at a dinner party, but it can also be enlightening while making connections with others. Like if you have a friend who tells you that her main cultural icon when she was a kid was a sports star, and you know her now as a frilly mom of four, well, now you know something deeper about her or about her childhood. Now, not too deep. I mean, let's be honest, and let's not go into like deep therapy analysis on this. It's a silly thing to talk about and to share, but it can also just bring more connection. We can get to know one another better, which this is the very goal of this show. So let's just jump in. Who were the cultural icons when you were young? The very first one that came to my mind for me was Little Orphan Annie. I mean, I was obsessed with Little Orphan Annie when I was very little, like preschool age. 
And I'm talking about the 1982 version of the movie Annie, the one where Carol Burnett plays a drunk Miss Hannigan, which I clearly did not understand that character at all until I was an adult. But I loved that movie and I wore out that VHS tape. Looking back, I cannot pinpoint what I related to so much about Annie. I mean, I grew up in a stable and loving family. I was not at all an orphan. But besides the really good songs in that musical, it really does have catchy music. I think what I liked about Annie was that she was an independent hero. Like without parents, she has no guidance. And yet she was a leader among this sisterhood at the orphanage. And that really appealed to me. And also, I mean, obviously, who doesn't love a rags to riches story? Who isn't drawn to Daddy Warbucks saving the day with a big old mansion? That part is completely obvious. But again, I was not growing up in like a shack or anything. I think it's so interesting that I was so captivated for so long by Annie. And Annie, both the character and then also the movie itself, Because it has a lot of appeal. I mean, Annie is funny. She's kind. She retains a lot of agency in her life throughout this story. But she was purposefully not very pretty. I mean, I think she's adorable. But they make a whole thing about the way she looks and that it's sort of ragamuffin-y and like she was sort of the runt of the litter and not the beautiful one, so to speak. And I just loved all parts of this. My family of origin, my parents, my siblings, they will tell you that I was in that Annie phase for a while. I was Annie for Halloween for years. My mom made me a custom dress. I had the curly red-haired wig, the whole thing. I had a big Annie doll that lived on my bed forever. Little Orphan Annie was my first real cultural obsession. And not to go too deep on the themes in the movie Annie, but now that I'm thinking about it, Annie was chosen She was plucked from her unfortunate life, which she tried in vain to escape over and over, but ultimately, sort of by accident and sort of by manipulation, she was chosen to go live with Daddy Warbucks. And then he couldn't help but love her. He saw her shine, he saw her diamond in the rough, and he wanted to keep her forever. And maybe when you're a little girl, I mean, maybe when you're an older girl too, Who doesn't want to be picked to be identified as special despite some of our flaws? It's a sweet story with some sadness, but really Annie wins in the end by her own ingenuity, her own appeal. And I liked that story. This episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. Skillshare has thousands of classes via video on their website, classes you can take at your own pace and on all kinds of topics. Make 2020 a year where you explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity with Skillshare's online classes. They have so many courses to improve a skill, learn a new hobby, everything from the arts to business. A new class they're offering is from an author that I love, Greg McEwen. He wrote the book Essentialism, which I reread every year, and he is now teaching a class on Skillshare 
called Simple Productivity, How to Accomplish More with Less, and that one is on my list. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. It also would make a great gift. Skillshare has a user-friendly interface and tons of topics that I'm genuinely interested in, from iPhone photography to online marketing. And now there is a special offer for 10 Things to Tell You listeners. Get two months free of premium membership, unlimited access to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com slash you. That's Y-O-U. Two months for free if you sign up using Skillshare.com slash you. That's Skillshare.com slash you, Y-O-U. It's a great time to start learning something new. Okay, once I outgrew Annie... I was a little bit older. I was 10 years old when Disney's The Little Mermaid came out in 1989. And again, the songs of The Little Mermaid are killer. I still know every word to every song in that movie. But it really is all about Ariel. Ariel. I mean, she was a mermaid. And I was 10, which was about the time I was really starting to pay a lot of attention to outward beauty, which Ariel had in spades. That red hair, that bikini body. Okay, and yes, at 40, now I understand a lot better about the themes in The Little Mermaid that are problematic. So please don't at me about admitting that this cartoon love story really rocked my boat back in the day because it did, and I know that I'm not the only one. The idea that Ariel was literally silenced to make someone fall in love with her Not to mention all the daddy issues. Like, I get that now. But at the time, the main thing that drew me to Ariel and to the Little Mermaid was that she was in a perfectly wonderful world, and her biggest dream was getting out of it. I'm not drawing that parallel to my own life haphazardly. Many times over the years, when I've thought about books or movies or songs or characters that I especially loved when I was young... A theme always emerges of someone stuck in the wrong life or misunderstood on some really deep level. And I can laugh about it because it's not an original thought, right, for a young person to feel misunderstood or like they don't belong. But at the same time, I can also see that something was either already present in my soul or it lodged there at some point that I had a deep need to create my own life somewhere else. And then, of course, I did do that. As a young adult, I willfully chose to leave behind my entire family, all my friends, and move somewhere that I'd never been before in a quest to find myself. That is one of the defining stories of my life. Now, I don't know if these cultural stories taught me to want that, or if my soul was responding to a true path. I mean, it's like a chicken or an egg scenario. Probably both worked in conjunction. But this is one of those parts of this exercise that does make you think that we are all just born who we are. (laughs) And we're naturally going to be drawn to people and to art and to characters who speak to something within us. And that's why this is a worthy topic, even if it's totally silly on the surface. Okay, so the next cultural icon that I loved, who I still love, it also came out in 
1989, this movie, same as The Little Mermaid, but I'm pretty sure that I didn't get a hold of this one for another couple of years because I think that I was 12 or 13 when I first watched Troop Beverly Hills and I gasped at Shelley Long's portrayal of Phyllis Neffler, the ditzy, well-meaning, completely over-the-top Beverly Hills housewife turned Girl Scout troop leader. I've talked a ton about this character in this movie over the years, so I won't repeat everything about it here, but when I saw Phyllis Neffler on the screen in Troop Beverly Hills, I knew that she was the joke, that she was the type of woman that was being made fun of, and also, I immediately wanted to be her. More accurately, I felt like I already was her in my spirit. But I didn't know anyone like the type of woman that they were making fun of. I grew up in a small, conservative town in Oklahoma that valued humility and understated class. And more was not more in my early world. And so to me, the outlandish Beverly Hills outfits that Phyllis Neffler wore, like the crazy sequins, the huge glittery bird on her shoulder, I thought that was amazing. I didn't even know that this was a way to be, and I wanted to be it. I wanted to know where you got clothes like that. I wanted to be that over the top. And in some ways, I was that over the top, like as a kid, relative to my family and my surroundings, I was always deemed dramatic and too much, like too many feelings, too many opinions, too many words, always too many words. And so to see like, a beautiful version of it on the screen, a woman who was clearly way, way, way too much, but was also trying to do well by her daughter and her community. I just loved it. Phyllis Neffler was and is still a cultural touchstone for me in some ways. Here's a side note about cultural icons from our youth that I uncovered a little bit when I was journaling about this. And that is that I noticed I personally didn't relate to any musical icons like Madonna or Cyndi Lauper, something of that time period. I also didn't relate at all to sports stars. It wasn't that I disliked sports. I liked sports. But I distinctly remember watching the Olympics when I was a kid, and it made me feel bad about myself. I think that's not a very popular opinion or not a very patriotic opinion. I don't know. But I remember over several different Olympic years watching the gymnasts or the ice skaters or even like the runners or swimmers. And truthfully, like they weren't even that much older than me. So many Olympians are so young and while everyone else is really marveling at what they had accomplished by the time they were teenagers, because they'd probably been world champions or something before they were Olympians or whatever, it always made me feel behind before my life had really gotten started. Like I felt like I was 14 and hadn't done anything. And it wasn't jealousy really. It made me feel insecure in some way. Like I had already missed the most important boat and I hated that feeling. Look, I know that my feelings about the Olympics When I was young, I don't feel this way now. I know that is totally about me. It had nothing to do with sports people or the Olympics or anything. I'm just noting it here as I talk about cultural icons from my youth 
that some of the biggest ones of the 80s and 90s actually repelled me instead of appealed to me like the rest of the nation. I found sports icons as a child to be the opposite of inspiring. Somehow they made me feel defeated. That was my total side note. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, Dot com and use code U, Y-O-U. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. As I'm thinking back over all the cultural icons of my younger years, which again would have been, there are truly thousands of things to choose from and like several dozen have sprung to mind when I was brainstorming them, like Audrey Hepburn, Gwyneth Paltrow as actresses I loved, more obscure TV characters that I saw myself in, like Tracy Gold, who played Carol Seaver on Growing Pains, Joey Potter, played by Katie Holmes on Dawson's Creek, Charlotte, played by Kristen Davis on Sex and the City. And then, you know, there were always national figures like Oprah. It was huge for me to see someone talking about hard things on TV before people talked about hard things on TV. I, like so many others, millions of others, was really transfixed by Oprah from a really early age. But then as the 2000s hit, well, first of all, I was no longer a child. I was starting to become an adult. And I think our icons change pretty significantly in adulthood. Life experience tells us that these characters and celebrities that we've sort of worshipped, we start to realize that it's not real. And the people that we idolize or that we aspire to or relate to, it just changes a lot. You know, we really start to look up to different people. But besides the fact that I personally became an adult in the early 2000s, another thing that happened that really shifted how young people view cultural icons is reality TV. And then also, of course, the internet. 
When I think about who I was admiring when I was a kid, first of all, they were primarily fictional characters. So that's a huge difference. But also, I had very limited exposure or experience with the thing that I liked. Annie the movie was Annie the movie every time I pressed play. There was no real thing for it to morph into or for the actors to really misstep publicly in a way that would change how I viewed that movie. And now, of course, with reality TV exposing and flaunting everyone's flaws, and then you have YouTube stars, social media stars, the internet allowing young people to follow their icons daily, they just must think about aspiration and inspiration so differently because so many cultural icons now, from sports to musicians to TikTok stars, like their lives are possibly available to us on a regular basis. And then that shifts the relationship quite a bit, you know? It doesn't mean that young people can't relate to fictional characters in TV and in movies, but because they're surrounded by so much reality all the time with social media, I wonder if the appeal to fictional things is different. I can see that fictional characters might not have the same impact that it did when we were kids and the entertainment and content we took in was all fictional. You know what I mean? It's just one of the many things to think about in terms of what and who we are influenced by, who is influencing our kids, how fickle that world seems to be, how fast the internet moves and trends move. So I named the cultural icons of my childhood, the people that I either wanted to be or people I related to, felt like they were representing me in some way. I cannot wait to hear your ideas on this. There are just so many to choose from. Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, Jennifer Aniston, Claire Danes from My So-Called Life. I loved that show, even though I did not see myself in that show. Gwen Stefani, Drew Barrymore, Kate Moss. Carrie Strug. I mean, I feel like I named so many entertainment people and a few sports figures, but of course, maybe you were more highbrow and maybe you idolized political figures or journalists, astronauts. I don't know, but I want you to tell me. If you choose to post about this prompt on social media, please make sure that you tag the show. On Instagram and Facebook, we are at 10 Things to Tell You with the number 10. And then if you use the hashtag, especially on Instagram, I'll be able to see it no matter what. The hashtag is also 10 things to tell you with the number 10. This is episode 56. If you want to mention that, I am so happy that you listened to this, that you listened to the show. I've gotten so much support making this show, and I just love creating it for you every single week. This was a fun, lighthearted prompt to take to your journal, your best friend, your partner, you know, to have a fun chat, but then also maybe learn something about each other. So that's it. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10thingstotellyou. Remember, 
this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.